and welcome to another episode of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm a chartered psychologist and coach, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how's it going for you? It's going very well. Can you imagine if I said, oh, it's really terrible, Richard? <laughs> One of these days, you know. It's going to happen. <laughs> and we'll record anyway, you know, yes. but um, we'll acknowledge that you're having a bad day, which we can all have from time yes. to time, which is actually really related to what we're talking about today, because last episode, we looked at this concept of self-awareness and how it can be a challenge for us to work on for a whole variety of reasons, but why it's also worthwhile. You know, it's, it's useful for us to learn about ourselves and then learn how we can use these personal qualities, skills, knowledge, all of that stuff, and bring it to life depending on the context we're in. I hope, listeners, you found that useful and it wasn't too conceptual, but this episode, we're really going to get down to some of the ways, some of the simple things that we can each do to bring this to life and to develop our, our self-awareness. Now, remember, last time I mentioned it's not helpful to think of self-awareness as a binary yes, no, on, off, uh, success, fail, but rather awareness of different aspects of ourselves will differ. And there might be just an aspect of you that you realize I need to work on that rather than I know nothing about me. I'm completely, uh, not aware that that's not really helpful. And it's almost certainly not the case either. And of course, remember the gap between awareness and action. So that's the really important bit. We can have our self awareness, but we need to bring it to life depending on the context that we're in. Pilar, did you have any follow up questions or thoughts from that episode? Well, I did. And uh, if listeners were listening and they remember correctly, I did mention it. So well done, listeners who remembered, hey, is Pilar going to share her example? <laughs> uh, but actually, it goes also very well with what you've just said about turning that self-awareness into action. So the the something that 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 was made aware to me a couple of times, especially with one of my friends, that I tend to talk over people a lot. And when I'm really, and it's not that I'm not listening to them and it's not that I'm thinking of the next thing, is that what they're saying is going in and triggering lots of stuff. So it, it comes out. So I noticed that this was making people uncomfortable, as in specifically my friend, because he told me, let me finish. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And and I've sat with that thinking, it's not coming from all these places of, it's coming actually from a place of engagement with them. And then during the episode, Richard, you said quite at the beginning, you said something like, you know, we might talk over people when, when we're excited. And I thought, that's what it is. So mm. my next step for me is, but I, but I'd never, um, that's what it is, but I'd never uh, pinpointed it like that. I'd never had mm -hmm. a phrase for it. So now I can communicate. And in advance, I can say, if I talk over you, please, it's just that I'm excited. Tell me to shut up. It will be okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. because sometimes, of course, people see you're excited and they don't want to dampen you. But if I lead with this, so that kind of crystallized itself during the episode. And I think it's also very an example of what you were saying that I'm self-aware of that. I'm actually also aware of how it lands. And now I can do something to turn it into, well, whatever. I now can do something so that it doesn't affect the relationships. Mm. I think that's a great example. 
And it's the result of a bit of reflection. It's the result of a bit of thinking about it and then wondering um, what you can do about it. And that's, that's self-awareness in, in a nutshell. So that's, yeah. a, that's a great example. Um, I'm always cautious about sharing too much because it can sound like this is the benchmark, but that's a great example. Um, one of the, the things I was going to share is something yes. that I've learned over the years and I, I am working on, but people who know me will know it's difficult. <laughs> I, I travel a huge amount. I love it. I love going to places. I love seeing new things and trying new food and all of that good stuff. But you know what I don't like <laughs> are airports. And I find them very anxiety-inducing places. I find the rules, the processes, the noise, the crowds, I find it all very overwhelming. And what I, when I'm not really focused, I tend to find myself getting very touchy, very annoyed, very grumpy when I should be enjoying myself because I'm traveling for fun, for example. So what I'm, you know, having had that feedback, which we'll come to in a minute, mm. um, people notice it and, you know, I think, okay, what, what can I do? Um, I can't make airports a happy place for me. But what I can do is take ownership of how I behave when I'm there. And what can I do to help me relax? And what can I help to take some of that pressure off and that time-based pressure and that sort of being very, very uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop, mm. you know, something's going to go wrong. So, you know, the, the, the takeaway for me was to really focus on get prepared, try and relax, focus on the bigger picture and remember what's out of your control. Because once you're in an airport, pretty much everything's outside of your control. As in, I can't make the flight leave on time. I can't make this queue go any faster. I can't demand that they don't go through my bag when I go through security. All of these things I need to accept. So a very simple pedestrian example, but one that's oh, work in progress. Let's put it that way. It, it takes effort to put this stuff into practice. Yeah, and you say it's simple, but it's also it it, it takes great a great openness to be aware in whatever way you did, whether it's because you got the feedback or or, or you noticed. Because it's, <laughs> I've had some feedback, yes. <laughs> because because it's such a thing that I wouldn't even think it was me. I would think, mm. well, the airport is like this, so of course I'm like this. And actually, See, just you it. say it's simple, but it's not that simple. Well, this this is I simple think example. why I share this example is because. One, I'm going to keep going to airports. Yeah. So actually, it's unsustainable for me to say to the people around me, you need to put <laughs> up with me being like this. I, I, that's not who I want to be. Maybe we have listeners who say, yep, that's who I want to be and I don't care. That's fine. It's not who I want to be. I would rather not be so grumpy and tetchy and anxious. So therefore, there's work for me to do so that I'm less like that, both for me, because it's not good for me, and for the people around me. And I, I think I've shared on the podcast before, but I've definitely shared it um, with people who know me that you, you know, the Apple Watch has a high heart rate alert when it goes off when your heart rate exceeds 100 beats per minute and you're not exercising. The only place that has ever gone off for me has been airports. You know, okay. I've, I don't have heart problems. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I get just super wound up in these places. So, you know, the onus is on me to do something about it. Mm -hmm. The onus is not on me, um, to be however I want to be because that's, that's not helpful to me. Um, it's not helpful to the people around me and it sort of detracts from other people's enjoyment of, of the experience. 
So that's kind of self-awareness, right? Knowing that, thinking about that, finding another way to be as a result of that, being honest about it. So all those things that we touched on last time. So let's let's have a look at some of the things that we can do uh, to increase our self-awareness. And I'm really cognizant of the fact that having now recorded that on a podcast, <laughs> this is going to be played back to me by several uh. people. I know. But anyway, that that is part of the package. <laughs> So we touched on it very briefly last time. I've mentioned it so far, but feedback. If we can not wait for the feedback, but proactively look for feedback from others, who were there, who witnessed it, you know, what was my performance like? How did my behavior land? Because if it's a a difficult situation, um, like, you know, um, a sales pitch, giving a presentation, giving someone feedback, accepting feedback. You know, how did I respond? What did you notice? How helpful was it? Moving away from right and wrong, but more, was it what you'd expect? Was it how we do things here? Was it what you, you know, was it how I like to be? Did I deviate from that? And the reason it's useful to get feedback is we're not always aware of how we behave in a moment of stress. You know, we might respond in a way that's not our ideal selves and we don't realize we've done it. So getting that feedback is is really useful, but it can also be useful because people can put it in context as in Richard you you always turn into the Grinch when you're in an airport. It wasn't just today. It's every airport. So it's not just the feedback about the event, but feedback in context about themes of your behavior. And this can sting, right? If it's something that you don't like to hear, but it is also an opportunity to learn how we came across to others and the impact our behavior had on someone else's day. And if we care about that, then that can spur us on to make a change, learn from it and try and handle that situation differently the next time. So feedback I list it first because it's something that we can actually go out and ask people for. Um, Asking for that feedback, we can get the answer we're looking for depending on how we frame the question, right? (laughs) So, uh, you know, we might say, next time I do this, is there something I need to stop doing? Something I need to start doing? Something I should continue doing? If we can frame questions so that there's no, yes, no to it, uh, or we're not leading people too much, then we'll get something a little bit more valuable. I think that's a really useful um, advice, the, how you frame the question, because sometimes I'm thinking of myself, sometimes people are not comfortable giving us feedback, especially if it's something that they think we could change. And just framing it in that next time, it it, it becomes more about what's going to help us in the future rather than something we just done that we can't change really because we've just done it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I really like the thinking about how to seek that feedback in a way that is also useful for the person who will give you that feedback. And, you know, if we respond to that feedback <laughs> with anger oh, well, or okay. pushback, yeah. you know, that really doesn't help. So asking for the feedback when we're authentically open to getting the feedback, even though we mightn't like it. Because if you ask for it, 
then the onus is on you to do something <laughs> helpful with that. And that's not always the case, is it, in the workplace? So it's not a rubber stamp we're looking for. It's actually something real that we can work with. The second um, activity is ongoing journaling and reflection. Now, our next episode is going to focus in its entirety on the benefits of reflection and journaling. So I just want to say a couple of things about this and then we'll move on. Um, the power of this is in part verbalizing our thoughts and turning them into the written word because we have to slow down our thinking. And we can also see changes in what we're recording over time. We have a record. So we've externalized this stuff so we can look at it. That's why it's really powerful. And there's no one perfect way of doing this, but we'll look at some of the ways that we can do it next time. Now, we are recording this. I have to say this. Sorry, Pilar, but we're <laughs> recording this the morning after the Apple WWDC keynote in the US when they announce all the stuff they're going to launch this year, some of the stuff they're going to launch this year. But... My, I, I sat through the whole thing and really enjoyed it because that's the kind of person I am. But my ears pricked up when they announced they're bringing a new included journal app to iOS and iPadOS, which means you're going to be able to, with prompts from your phone, record aspects of your day. You're going to be able to record what you did, but it will also remind you, hey, you listen to this podcast. You called this person, you were in this place, you got this much exercise. And this, I think, is really, really powerful because it allows you to then, over time, see trends. Oh, wow, I tend to have good days when I've gone for a walk. Mm -hmm. I tend to feel better about life when I've been with this person. And, you know, instead of saying to someone, you need to sit down and write this thing out, let's be honest, so many of us have our phone in our hand throughout the day. It's super easy to just record a few words, answer a couple of questions, boom, it's gone. So I'm really excited. Now, it's going to be months before this is available, but maybe we can revisit it later in the year when it's available. And the second thing, which is just as important to this, is being able to record your emotions using the Health app, by which I mean, and this, this reflects um, really on the, the notion of emotional intelligence. Building your self-awareness in that model means understanding what you're feeling, the extent, the strength of feeling, and, and why you're feeling it. And so this app is going to allow you to record strength of feeling, name of feeling, and maybe add some notes so that over time, you're able to see a pattern of your emotions played back on screen where our, our memory for our emotions is very fallible and very spotty. We might remember the extremes, but not the trends. And so I think this is some really powerful stuff that they're including for free. Um, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, and we'll see in a few months' time. But this is an example of lowering the bar and making it easy for people to record meaningful stuff to them. So, Richard, I know you're going to cover this more in in the next episode, but so what? how do you record now your your day-to-day -day or your moves? What are you, how does that look like for you? Very for me, yeah, no, for me, r r really simply, um, I use an app to do it and it's an app that's on um, all of the devices I use. Uh, it's called Day One and um, it serves up some prompts each day, you know, questions you could answer. 
I don't engage with them so much. I use a template for things. I want to capture some stuff first thing in the morning. I want to clarify what's the most important thing I want to get done today. I um, bullet point stuff that happened that was memorable, like literally boom, 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 mm. very, very short. Uh, and then identify some points of gratitude at the end of the day. And I throw in um, any photos I took uh, that day. Um, and what day one does, which I, one of the things I really like, is that periodically it reminds you of days in the past. And it puts them up on screen and goes, you remember the time a year ago or five years ago or eight years ago? And it's really nice because once I put it in there, I've forgotten about it in a sense. Mm -hmm. and But it gives me that record that I'm able to go back on and say, look, this week, what was this week like? What was I grateful for? What went well? You know, that that kind of thing. And it regularly brings a smile to my, my face because I don't put photos in there that I don't like. (laughs) I put in the ones that make me feel happy and then it puts them back on screen and goes, hey, do you remember this time you were holding a pug? And I go, yes, that was lovely. So that's what I do. But that that is not the only way of doing it. And and obviously that's a paid app. Apple are bringing in something that is free. So I'm excited about that because it could well encourage more people to do a little bit of journaling and allow them to feel the benefits of getting some of those thoughts out of their mind. The next is something that I call post-incident reviews. So when something's happened that didn't go well, you know, it could be very small, a bit of conflict with a colleague, or it could be a bigger problem, a bigger challenge. Let's just call them incidents. At the far end of it, the temptation is for us to just dash off. You know, I survived, mop my brow, now onto the next thing. But actually, it can be really useful to pause at that point to reflect on the incident. So in the workplace, if we're in a safety critical environment, we would have post-incident reviews if there was an error or an accident. What happened? Who was involved? What can we learn from it? So we can do this for ourselves. When something hasn't gone well, we can pause and ask ourselves, what was my role in creating this incident? How did my habits, my behavior, my thoughts, my attitudes contribute to this thing happening. This isn't blame, but it causes us to think about root causes and helps us avoid saying, well, you know, I was in an airport. <laughs> I'm not going to mention that again. <laughs> but or um or blaming the other person or blaming the weather or whatever it was. You know, how did what was my role in creating this? And then how did I respond? How helpful was this response? Where did this response come from? This helps us think about the behavior that's under our control, the impact of our behavior, but also what was generating this behavior? Did it come from fear? Did it come from anger? Did it come from the stress response? Uh, Did it come from my values? You know, just asking ourselves, what was the root cause of this behavior? And then importantly, well, Given we will have future incidents in life, what could I do differently next time and capture that learning? Now, just like journaling, it could be useful to write this stuff down so that you've got a record of it, but also so you can slow down uh, your thinking and write this um, rather than just 
thinking it through. You've got a record and you can take a little bit of time to do this. So it doesn't have to be a disaster. Something hasn't gone well. Pause and review what didn't go well and what you can learn from it. I've got an example of this, Richard. Should Ooh. I share it with yeah, you? Please do. Please do. <laughs> it's uh, bec- because uh, it. Well, you might have. I, I think I told you as I was going through it. Uh, I worked with uh, with a client last year, and it was a it was a project that had lots of individual moving parts. As in, I was working for a client. They had a client, and I brought in a collaborator with me. So there were four different people involved, each with their own ways of seeing the project, each with their own values, actually, towards the project. And it was such a mess. And when I looked at why it'd been a mess, I saw one, I realized all the way through, I wasn't listening to my gut, to to what my gut was saying about a lot of stuff that was happening. And the reason for it was because I am very collaborative And so I was trying to bring in the views of the four of us into the project. Mm. And there's a place for that, but ultimately I was in charge of the design. I was leading that particular thing, even though, you know, the clients had more seniority, but I was leading that. And it really, I've taken that so much into my next few jobs. That is, I'm now at a place where I can listen to my gut and I am also at a place because this is the feedback I've had talking about feedback throughout my life is that I can actually bring people with me in a way that makes them feel valued. But I now need to be more aware that how I, how I'm seeing something and my expertise cannot always, uh, I can't always put that to one side for the sake of bringing everyone on board. So it was a very specific uh, example. And I really went through a lot of thinking. What was my role in it? Because mm. because of the, how the project had been set up, there were lots of problems that I had no um, control over, lots of stuff that there's no way I would have done that if I'd been leading the project as a whole. But then, okay, that's all very well. But what about me? Like you say, what, what was my role in this disaster? And it was very, very <laughs> useful to spend the time and, and, well, one say, yeah, this could have been better and then find out, right, how did I contribute to this? And how can I at least prepare myself for it not to happen in the future? Great example. A great example. Because the discomfort of this isn't, this is a bit messy. This is a bit not going how I'd like it to. Combined with, well, I'm collaborative, so I'm being collaborative. It doesn't get you the result you're looking for. Mm. And, And thinking about how these ingredients of the recipe come together gives you an insight that you can use for next time. It's a great example. Now we don't have to wait for disasters no, to reflect. Don't. <laughs> um, you know, I don't. I don't want to to leave anyone with that impression. So the next thing that we can do is just make an appointment with ourselves each week, and reflect on what's happened during the week and identify some lessons from that. And so um, a weekly review can consist of what were the wins, uh, what went well, what were the issues, what did not go so well. What are the pivots you're going to make? In other words, what changes to your behavior will you make as a result of the wins and issues? And enlightenment, what have you learned about yourself? Just four little jumping off points uh, that you can use to to frame that. But you can add anything to it. The principle here is that you're having uh, dedicated time to think about the week that's gone by so you can prepare yourself for the week to come. 
And this is a great, great opportunity to notice trends in what you're identifying, particularly if the same issues come up all the time. Mm. You can then say, well, why is this? You know, why does it keep happening to me? Um, you know, an example I'll share from my coaching practice is that when people start doing this, they regularly notice, oh, there's the same sort of feelings of overwhelm um, that are happening. And when I think about the why, it's because I keep putting these things off. I'm procrastinating, which is causing me to feel overwhelmed mm. and it keeps happening. And it's by doing this review and being honest with myself that I realize that I'm partly at least to blame for how I'm feeling so awful about this. So it needn't take long, but the payoff is significant. There's another aspect that, that we can practice doing, and we can do this at any point of any day. It's to start noticing where our focus is and specifically our internal versus external focus. So looking at this from the acceptance and commitment theory, the, the ACT perspective, are we listening and paying more attention to our thoughts and all of that internal private content or are we paying attention to what's happening in the physical world around us and this is helpful on a number of levels but one example that brings this to light is imposterism or what people sometimes call Im Im imposter syndrome this has its roots in paying more attention to thoughts about your own competence more likely incompetence than the actual feedback and the objective evidence that that you can touch and see mm. and hear around you. So it's a regular pause and notice, where's my focus? Is my focus on self-doubt or is my focus actually on the point that was made? You know, is my focus on a blanket self-evaluation of being useless or is my focus noticing that there were nine positive points in the feedback and one negative or corrective point. So just noticing where the focus is, it can give us those little glimmers of um, a reality check. That's maybe how I would put it. Does, does the, the idea make sense though? Yes, yes, it does. And maybe related, maybe slightly different, but it, it comes back to how we deal with the thoughts and the emotions that we don't like. Instead of trying to get rid of those, push them away, uh, suppress them, exploring them with curiosity. So how this relates to self-awareness, if we notice our behavior has had an impact on others that we don't like, that can lead us to feel things like guilt and shame, remorse maybe. But instead of trying to push away those things, we could ask ourselves, well, why am I feeling that? And that can lead us to reflect in a helpful direction. So rather than wrestling with those things and getting preoccupied with them, we're being curious about the emotions and wondering where they're arising from. And that way they don't hold sway over us as much as they are just another experience that's happening in our minds. And then finally, and we have uh, talked about this in the past, and it's something that regularly uh, comes up in coaching conversations is exploration of your self-concept. So as I said before, it's the collection of stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. It's made up of 
millions of data points. We can't get our arms around it all in, in one go. But if we want to navigate the, the challenging world we're in, if we want to navigate that sustainably and with values in mind, then we need to have a flexible sense of self, which means that very few aspects of us are permanent. Very few are in absolute terms. They're relative. They're contextual. They are impermanent. And so realizing that um, stuff comes and goes within us, um, the value placed on these things comes and goes depending on who we're with or what we're doing, particularly not taking any one aspect of this too seriously or placing our whole identity on one aspect of our self-concept. This means that we can let stuff go when it's no longer relevant or, or it's out of date. And this means that we can reflect on really on the here and now, what makes me me and what aspects of me do I want to bring to life in this moment or in this project or with these people? This is about being more intentional rather than automatic. This is about kind of shedding past skins, uh, maybe things that were helpful to us in the past, but they're not relevant now, or remain helpful to us, but just not in this context. You know, Don't bring that command and control behavior down the pub with your friends. Um, you know, it's, it's helpful in some work environments, but definitely not when you're trying to have some social time. So this is about exploring it, not necessarily changing it. And how do we do this? Um, very, very briefly, you can start by just making a long list of uh, short phrases that represent things that you believe about yourself. And then you can explore each of those in terms of how permanent is that versus something that has changed over time. Uh, how absolutely true is that? versus something that's sometimes true of me, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, how relevant is that to me at home, me at work, me socializing? How, how often do I bring that to life? Again, there's no rules with this, but we're being curious. We're inquiring, we're exploring, rather than I have a set of rules, I must be this way. That's the antithesis of what we're talking about here. Now, we've explored a few different ways of boosting or contributing to our self-awareness. I in no way, hopefully, <laughs> implied it. these are things that you must do all of all the time. Listeners, you may have heard something that piqued your interest. Experiment with it. Have a go at it for a while. What's a while? Maybe a few weeks. Give it a go. See how you feel about it. Maybe, maybe journaling isn't your thing. Maybe you're much more up for having some conversations and getting some feedback. Maybe your job um, lends itself to doing post-incident reviews. You know, after client meetings, after team meetings, you might want to sit down with yourself and, and review how it went. There's no one perfect thing that's going to contribute, but the main principle here is having a think about it and taking what you learn from that reflection and really authentically putting that into action. Pilar, difficult question. What would be one of those that you are most interested in um, trying out? This is not fair because I was hoping you'd say, have you got any questions? And that's what I was going to send to you. 
<laughs> well, um, any questions? Uh, well, no, let, let, let me answer your question first, and then I will ask you which one you find more revelatory of, of these or, you know, in your experience. I think I don't do many of them, um, but actually, I tell you what, the exploration of your self-concept, I do find myself doing that a lot when things are either not sitting well or I want to understand who I am versus who I'd like to be ideally. I think that I, I think a lot about that. I don't write it down though, but I do think a lot about it. Hmm. And you? Uh, journaling. Mm. Um, it's now a, a habit for me and it's an easy thing to do for me. It, I feel weird if it's not done. Mm. Um, so I find that very, very useful. And it's a bit cathartic as well in the sense of if it's been a not very pleasant day or there's been some difficulties, I definitely feel better having typed them out onto the screen. And do you go back to them? Yeah, and um, and also get reminded of them as well. Oh, yes, of course. And actually that, you know, what I didn't mention was one of the key benefits of journaling, and, and I've noticed this, but I'm definitely not alone in this, is that when we revisit past entries, we can see, wow, a year ago, that preoccupied me. That was the biggest worry hmm. I could possibly imagine. And now, 12 months later, I don't give it a second thought. Journaling allows us to time travel, in a sense, <laughs> and it allows us to see the power of the perspective of time. So the passing of time allows us to see things and feel things very, very differently. And so I see lots of entries where I'm anxiously writing, oh no, I've got this meeting with so-and-so and I'm dreading what they're going to say about Project X and oh, how will I deal with this? And you know, a few weeks later, I'm going, oh, I've got lovely feedback from so-and-so <laughs> about Project X. So you know, it, it's not that I've by doing this, I never feel anxious before a difficult meeting, but more that I'm, I say, oh yeah, this happens. It happens. And, and I do it and I persist and I keep going and it's fine. Um, but it, you know, putting that stuff into context is difficult in our own minds, putting it into context by seeing the evidence. Oh, wow. That was me a year ago. Isn't that interesting? Um, and it can help us notice growth and change and development and all of that good stuff. So, that's why I like it. That's why I find it useful. We'll come back to it next time. A lot more detail around journaling and how it might be. But I'd really encourage listeners to pick one of these things we've been talking about and give it a go and see what works. Let us know how it's gone for you. Send us an email, podcast at worklabpsych.com. Um, not sure if I mentioned it last time, but if you are one of the, the many people who's maybe migrated away from Twitter, um, we also have a Mastodon presence. Now, maybe those words mean nothing to you, and that's absolutely fine. <laughs> but if you're using one of these um, social networks, you can find us there at worklifepsych.social. So another way uh, to, to get in touch with us. Love to hear your questions, your reflections, your ideas around building yourself um, self-awareness. Hope you found it useful. Hope you found it practical. Uh, I'm looking forward to our next episode when I've got a guest to talk about journaling. And that will be the end of our series on self-awareness. As ever, everyone, thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. 
To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com/contact. Thanks for listening.